This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up at 3.30, Eddie Pascal, Raiders.com. He'll join us. Talk all things Raiders training camp. Good conversation with Eddie. I do anticipate. He's got a lot going on over there at the facilities there in Henderson. Haven't been out to practice the last couple days as I've been filling in for Clay Baker on the, the morning show, the morning tailgate. I've been holding it down with Hondo Carpenter, and so I haven't been able to make my way out there. But we'll talk to Eddie about what he's been able to see, what he's got going on, what the vibe in the buildings are like. Because at this time of year, first of all, every team has a lot of high expectations. But – I kind of feel, and it just seems to me, as we talked about Jonathan Abram, you heard a little bit from him. You'll hear a little bit uh, more from him a little bit later in the show. Just kind of feel like a lot of the players have a lot higher expectations for this year. And expectations are great. You know, uh, you know, potential, that P word is great. They got to go out there and make it happen. But I just kind of feel like the, the expectations and the energy level is even a little bit higher in the building. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll dip into some NFL news and notes. We'll cover three. I like to do that on the daily. I did want to pass along a couple messages that we received. One on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, talking about bold predictions for the Raiders in 2021. How about this one? Bold prediction. Hunter Renfro gets 90-plus receptions and 1,000 yards. The slot machine, Hunter Renfro, gets 90-plus receptions and a thousand yards. No name attached to that one, but uh, that's a that's a bold prediction right there. I, I know that Hunter Renfro would be okay with that. <laughs> He'd have no problem with that. It'd be interesting to see uh, how the you know how the passing game goes, how the wide receivers, how those targets are are kind of divvied up. You know, Hunter Renfro is always that guy who he's not worried about the the quantity, how many how many balls are thrown his way. Uh, he just wants to make the best of it every time that he does catch the ball. Usually it's a big play. I always say that uh, it's it's always going to be quality catches with Hunter Renfro over quantity. He'll get first downs. He'll get touchdowns. He'll he'll extend drives. He'll sit down in a in a zone to to make himself available for Derek Carr. That's what I think when I think Hunter Renfro. But that would be one hell of a season for one Hunter Renfro. Ninety plus receptions. A thousand yards. So that's a that's a bold prediction. How about another one from Scott on Twitter? He hits me up and says, "My prediction: the Raiders' defense has forty plus sacks. That's big time. What they have last year? Twenty one. They uh, had twenty one sacks last year. Forty plus would be a big time improvement. Uh, and that would say Gus Bradley, uh, Rod Marinelli, Ron Miles, Richard Smith, all those uh, defensive coaches." Are definitely doing their job because that that if they were to get forty plus sacks, it wouldn't just be because of the defensive line, it wouldn't just be because the linebackers. It would be everybody. Secondary did their job, linebackers did their job, and of course the defensive line did their job. That's how you get forty plus sacks. Everyone has to contribute to that. That's not just you know Max Crosby comes screaming off the edge and get twelve sacks, and Unique Ngakwe comes screaming off the edge and get eighteen sacks. I mean, it's just you know I mean that's just not the case, and they don't get those sacks on their own. They don't. Some people just think, oh, it's just all about the edge rushers. Look, the corners got to do their job. They got to hold their, 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 their water. Linebackers got to do their job. Safety sometimes got to come up. Jonathan Abram, and I know Vinny's talked about this in the huddle. 
Jonathan Abram could easily come up and have five, six sacks in the season if he's if he's playing up close to the line. Yeah, forty. That's a that's a pretty bold prediction. Oh, it is. Right. It so is. I, I went back to check because I was like, let me see. Twenty one. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, exact. Twenty one. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's double. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's Everybody's got to contribute. If if that was what it was going to be, and that's why we asked for bold predictions it because bold. it's about as bold as it gets. I like it. I know somewhere right now, Mitch in New Jersey is like, hell yeah, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> you got to say it like you're serious too. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Have you ever had the guy? And me and Demond can say this. Have you ever had the guy that <laughs> that has you know come up to you and he wants to call you brother, but he doesn't want to call you brother? But then when he says it, it's kind of funny, and you're like, yeah, you should have said that a long time ago. You could tell that in his in his mind, he wants to say like, hey, brother, yeah, and then I, he says it just like that, and you're like, okay, that was funny. I know exactly what you mean, all too well. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get to these callers? Yeah, yeah, we do have cover three coming up, but let's first go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Let's talk to a uh, uh, Raider. Raider E, E-I. Is it E-I or is it Raider? Who is it? Raider from the Inland Empire. Oh, there you go, E-I. <laughs> That's Nelly's song. What's up, What's up, Raider? How you doing? <laughs> it's all good, Q. It's all good. Hey, I got myself a, a bull prediction, and I think it's achievable. I think that the Raiders' defense is going gonna, is gonna to be a top-10 defense in turnovers. Ooh. I think, they're, I think that collectively, and I'm, I'm banking on the linebackers and secondary to really clean it up. Interceptions, forced fumbles. I think they can be a top 10 defense and in, 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 in forced turnovers. There you go. I like that. I like that. And you know what? Turnovers is what they need. They really do. And we had a we had a, a bold prediction earlier about Trayvon Merrick on that back end creating a lot of turnovers and, and being in line for defensive rookie of the year. They need to start consistently creating turnovers. That would be uh, that would be a welcome sight for uh, that Raider defense because, again, it's not really necessarily what happens between the 20s. It, it happens. It's, it's crunch time. When when can you get the the ball back to your your offense? Can you come up with a timely interception? Uh, we like to call it opportunistic. Can that defense be opportunistic? So thank you so much for that call, uh, Demond. Who we got up next? Next we got Peg Leg Raider. That's a good name. Uh, that's my guy out of San Antonio. What's up, Peg Leg? Hey, Q. What's up? Chilling, man. Chilling. How you doing? I'm doing good. I had to get a, a chew chilling to brighten my day. <laughs> so I got a bold prediction for you, and I got a guaranteed prediction for you. Okay. I'm a big, so the bold, the bold, and it's not that bold. Um, I'm not going out 40 sacks or anything, but I say between Yannick and Matt, 20 sacks uh, combined between them okay. and five coming from three on the interior. Okay. All right. That's, I like that. It's 25. That's 25. That's more, yep. sacks, that's more sacks than the full team had last year. Right. Right. Agreed. And then what's, and I'm your, a, what, I'm hit you with, what's your guarantee? I'm hitting you with the guarantee. If I bump into you at the Hall of Fame, well, I know I've been trying to buy you a beer for, what, two years now? Yeah, at least. If I bump into you at the Hall of, Hall of Fame, it's guaranteed. It's going down. Done deal. Hey, that's the kind of guarantee I like, my man. <laughs> That'll happen. We'll, we'll make that happen for sure. Modelo, we'll hook it up. We'll hook it up. I got, uh, um, I got my Hall of Fame tickets in the mail yesterday. Yeah. That whole packet is insane. Like, I opened it up. There's the whole play button. Um, it's like a video recording, all the passes. I'm ready to go. I'm looking forward to it. Nice, nice. Well, you hit me up when you get there, man. We'll definitely hook up. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the beer. Uh, Modelo, the official drink of the Raiders. You like that, huh? You like how I teed that? Oh, man. That I tied it all back together, man. Really got that in there. So smooth, so smooth. Who's man. up next, man, man? Fargo Raider. What's up, Fargo? What's on your mind? Hey, what's up, Q? Love the show. I listen all the time. New booty here. Appreciate My you. My prediction is that out of all the guys that we've been talking about, 
the one that had the best pressure to me was Nicholas Morrow, and I think he's going to be that guy this year on the defense. Okay. He's going to set the tempo and show everybody how it is to be a Raider. Okay. Sounds good. Fargo. I like that one, I like that one too. Nicholas Morrow. He, he, you know what? John Gruden gave him a lot of love. John Gruden gave him a lot of love on Tuesday. Nicholas Morrow met with the media yesterday, uh, you know, and he's kind of calm, cool, and collective. He's not going to, you know, say too much, but he, he he said enough where he sounded like he was very confident. And I know John Gruden said, now is his time. Now is his time. This is a dude who went from a D3 college to be where he's at right now. There's not a lot of D3 cats. I mean, you look it up. There's not a lot of D3 dudes in the NFL. He's made it. He's found a way to survive. He's also found a way to get another contract. There's guys that are first-round picks that don't get that second contract. Mm-hmm. There's guys that the Raiders have drafted very high up that haven't got that second contract. You know what the, What kind of sighting there was today? There was a Bigfoot sighting today. You know what I mean by that? No, I don't. Remember Obi Mellon Fonwu? I always call him Bigfoot because you always I, hear I, about you always <laughs> hear about how good the dude could be, and you never see it. And that's kind of like the the mystery behind Bigfoot, right? You always hear yeah, about the Bigfoot. Okay, okay. You always hear about the Bigfoot, but you never see him. It's like the Kikui. You ever heard the Kikui monster? Never heard of that. Well, you, I, I got to learn you. All right. So what, what Obi do? Did, did you see him today? I mean, what no, happened? he got he signed with the Eagles. That was one of my notes I had for cover three. He signed with the Eagles. He's done a whole lot of nothing after the Raiders drafted him in the second round. He did nothing with the Raiders. Went to the Patriots. He actually won a ring with the Patriots for doing nothing. Boom. It's all right. It is what it is. He's, I think he signed with the nine. I think he signed with multiple teams, but today he signed with the, the Eagles. Now, who knows how long he's going to stick around, but he's an athletic dude. Just doesn't do a whole lot when he gets on the field. And, and I will say when he was with the Raiders, they, they definitely gave him his first start against the Patriots in Mexico City, and they lined the safety up at corner, which was not a very good idea, and it did not go very well for one Bigfoot, a.k.a. obi Mel and Fonwu, but it is, that's another story. So, I mean, yeah, there you go. But uh, I like I like those uh, I like that prediction there about Nicholas Morrow. Uh, D- Demar, we got one more call. No, no, okay, all right, just oh, you do or no? It's time for Q's Cover Three NFL news and notes of the day here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. All right, well, I already gave you one of my notes, and that was Bigfoot. He signed with the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, now that you're gonna think that all the time. You're gonna I think know, about right? the guys. Guys that no are, one told, that could be like a nickname where you're not in on the joke. Be like, hey, that's Bigfoot. Be like, yeah, yeah. I don't. Why everybody call you Bigfoot? Man, I don't know. You know, but I kind of like. But it. I like it. I like it. it. Gives me a sense of size. <laughs> Makes me feel like I'm large. No, it just means you're a no show. Everyone always hears about your greatness, but never sees it or hears it. It's what a Bigfoot is. How about Zach Wilson? This is a guy who's got a lot of high expectations with the New York Jets, number two overall pick. Finally signed his first uh, his his contract today. He was the last first round pick to get his contract signed. He's going to get a thirty five point one million dollar deal, twenty two point nine million dollar signing bonus, and he's going to get that signing bonus within fifteen days. Now I ask you, Demon, could you ever imagine in your life? Signing a piece of paper and 15 days later getting $22.9 million in the bank. You wake up and there's $22.9 million in the bank. I can't imagine it happening to me, but I wish it would. Oh, man. <laughs> 15 days. Because like, I was thinking, like, what's the point of holding out? Isn't, like, all of this already it's all like, slotted? It's, yeah, it's all Ricky yeah. scaled out, you know? But well, I guess it's like, hey, I want it in my account in less than two weeks. No, the thing about it is what why there was such a, a hang up was he 
he was talking about language. The Jets write their contracts a certain way where they have certain language. Basically, so uh, a, a player, a first-round pick, can't double dip. You know, they can't get a big-time signing bonus and then maybe a contract extension, and then, they, and then they're getting double money. Or they're not very good, and they get cut, and they still have some guaranteed money that they're getting, and they get another contract from someone else. So they always protect themselves. And a lot of teams across the league do it. They protect themselves with certain language in the uh, in the contract. So that was the major holdup. But it's all said and done now. Trey, Trey, uh, Trey Lance, he got his contract signed uh, yesterday. And then today, Zach Wilson, the last first-round pick that didn't have his deal done. So he signed, sealed, and delivered. The young man out of BYU, that's the Jets' uh, that's their lifeline. He's the future. That's what they say. Remember, it was just a couple years ago they said Sam Darnold was the dude. Now he's who's gonna be that in guy. Carolina. Now he's in Carolina. Oh man. I'll tell you right now, and I'm not hating on the dude. I don't believe in Zach Wilson. You know what? Because nobody's I mean, obviously, if you who's watching but who's watching BYU? That's all I'm saying. I watched BYU. Okay, I did I watched some well, being in Central Texas, we were able to see a lot of, you know, because games would start there at a certain time, and so there would be games by the time you got home. Flip on the game. Oh, BYU's playing. You know, so check him out. I like his talent. I like his arm. Thing about me when it comes to him is he's he's slight, he's pretty small, and he was banged up a lot in college. And the one thing I know, and and you know, at some point I'm gonna have a Q and A with JT, and just because JT's seen so much, been there, done that, and I really respect you know all the different people he's talked to, all the walks of life he's, he's talked to, everything he's been able to see. You know, he's probably forgotten more than I'll ever know, which is fine. I'm okay with that. But those guys, if you're a, a, a dude in college that gets banged up quite a bit, the chances are you're not going to go to the NFL and all of a sudden be a healthy dude. You kind of are who you are. If you're a dude that shows up late to work or you barely get to work on time, <laughs> you get a nice high-profile job, guess what? It's not going to make you get to yeah, work give earlier. Give me some more responsibility, and then I'll fix it. Yeah. Uh, does that happen? Put yeah. me up against even bigger and faster, stronger competition, right. and I'll stay, and I'll, and I'll be healthy. Don't worry about it. Right. See, that's I'll be able to take the. I, I couldn't. We're, dang, I can't even think of the conference that um, BYU plays in. Well, they just. What yeah. Were, where were they uh, last year? Was it ACC that they ended up joining? No, that wasn't them. That was uh, Notre Dame did. Third, yeah, yeah because, Notre Dame yeah. did. Excuse me. Yeah. So, but they just—they were just that. And now NFL competition, he's gonna withstand. And look, he's—he's a, he's a good talent. He's a good talent. He's a really good talent. I don't think he should have won number two. Well, he got—he got—he got, got a lot of—he got a lot of a uh, lot of hype, especially towards the end. But that's okay. I mean, hey, you know, that's that's the Jets guy. That's who they have, and, and he might end up being the truth. He might. I just think that if he was injury prone in college, he's probably going to be injury prone in the NFL, and that's not going to cut it. That's not going to make it happen. How about this from Arthur Blank? Falcons owner. Earlier this offseason, Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans. He said that he was really disappointed by Julio Jones wanting to be traded. Well, one of the reasons why Julio Jones was traded was because of the Falcons and their issues with their salary cap. That was a, a, one of the main reasons that they had to figure out a way to do something. But Julio Jones also did approach the team and say, hey, I want to go somewhere else. So Arthur Blank said the part that bothered me personally was the fact that he expressed that he wanted to be traded. We had a 10-year relationship. We had a good relationship. He was productive, a Hall of Fame player, and I was disappointed he felt that way. For whatever reasons, I'm not sure. I wasn't able to speak with him. I tried to, but he felt the way he felt, and he wanted to make a change. A couple things I take away from that. Uh, Arthur Blank, I think, is a good dude. I really do. I don't know him personally. I've seen him in the same room, you know, Radio Row. It's kind of where you see everybody. Seen him. I know that I think he's really cool as far as what he does with his, uh, his, his stadium. 
and the fact that he makes the uh, you know concessions pretty reasonably priced because it already costs so much money to go to a game. If you're just an average fan taking a family of four, you're basically breaking the bank. You know, you're basically asking Zach Wilson for a, a, a loan. Hey, I want to go see a game. <laughs> I got you know my wife and two kids. Can I get a loan? <laughs> Can you, know, you help a brother out? Obviously, you know, down with Kanye, letting him stay at the stadium. He's a good dude. Good guy. He's, he seems like a Great dude to the people. Guy. He seems like a dude to the people. Now, I don't know about having Kanye stay at my stadium, but that's another story. Yeah. I don't see, like, too short. I, I don't I, see too short in Allegiant Stadium. You were just you were saying some things like, oh, good dude, great yeah. guy, and I was just I was giving another example. No, that's fine. You can give props for that. I, I Again, I don't see E-40. Well, E-40 is a 49er fan, but I don't see, like, too short hanging out in Allegiant Stadium, spending the night, recording an album. I just, I, I just don't. Don't think that that makes a whole lot of sense. But, again, that's me. Just, I'm that old guy that you're talking about. I'm okay with that. Maybe that's the cool millennial thing. <laughs> I'm going to be a rapper, and I'm going to stay at an NFL stadium. Whatever. I mean, maybe, man. I mean, but do you think Julio just didn't want to talk to him? Do you think Julio was just like, this ain't got nothing to do with you? No, no. Like, I want to leave. I want to leave. I think that it was inevitable that that Julio was going to be out because, one, the salary cap, like I mentioned. Two, I think he just wanted an opportunity to, to go somewhere where he's felt like they had a chance to win. I don't think anyone believes that the Falcons are a team that's going to have that opportunity to win. Now, I'll tell you what. If he had stuck around and they still went and, uh, and drafted Kyle Pitts and they have Calvin Ridley, and if their offensive line is solid, and I know there's a lot of ifs, but if if they did, could have been a dangerous, dangerous offense. Now, the defense needed a lot of work, but could have been a dangerous offense, man. Can you imagine Ridley, Julio Jones, and Kyle Pitts? You want to talk about a three-headed monster. There was a lot of Raider Nation that wanted wanted uh, the Raiders to go out and draft Kyle Pitts because, well, how are you going to stop anybody? You have Waller, Pitts, Rugg, Speed. I mean, that would just be stupid. That would just be a stupid offense. And when I say stupid, I mean good. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm trying to think how that would even look on the field. I mean, man. It would look like a defense would have a problem. Defense would walk out on the field and be like, oh, damn. Have you ever just done anything? Have you ever gotten into a fight and you were overmatched and you knew it from the jump? No. Glad I haven't. Ooh, ooh. I got in a fight in eighth grade with a dude that I knew I had no business trying to fight with. <laughs> no business. But you got to play the role. Was he yeah? a big eighth grader? Was it like a high schooler? Maybe, maybe, no, maybe. I think he was on steroids in eighth grade. <laughs> And he wanted to call me out, so I had to hold my own, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I knew in my heart I had no business being squared up against that dude. And the minute when he said, nah, you know, never mind, I thought, whew, I, I survived one there because I was about to catch one. I don't have no problem admitting that. We all catch catch strays every once in a while. So we're not all, you know, <laughs> wrestlers like Damon. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, this muscle, this muscle is all new, man. This is... This is all new, man. This, this is, you manufacture it? Would you get it in a... In yeah, a, man. I mean, like, when I was... buy it online? What did you do? I mean, you got to, like, man, from Tennessee, you just got to know how to talk, man. We call it checking. You went to Tennessee and got your muscles? No, I'm just, I'm saying, like, back growing up, I was just a talker. Like, I was, yo, man, you just got to just roast people. That's all I did was talk. I mean, I never I never had when somebody tried to fight me, though. Well, that means you didn't... You weren't slick enough. That means you didn't, you didn't call them out there. You didn't make them that angry. You didn't get them to that point. I was the instigator. I was always the instigator guy. Obviously, in that situation, I may have gone a little too far in that. I can't remember what I even said about him, but I I, I, I talked bad about him. It happens. I was the instigator in school. That and I don't think that should be a shock. I was the guy that could talk. I could talk you into a fight right now. We can go into the hallway, and I can find a way to pick a, <laughs> argue a fight and have Demond. <laughs> I'm gonna pick a fight with you and Vinny. When Vinny come in here a little bit later, I'm gonna make you and Vinny fight, and I'm gonna leave. I have a good show. You heard me say it. Right? I'm out. <laughs> you gonna let him talk to you like that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Couldn't be me. Exactly. Uh, we'll see. My final little cover three note. Randall Cobb is happy to be back in Green Bay. 
I know this is a story that just won't end for you. So happy. Oh, man. He's glad to be back in Green Bay. He told ESPN's Rod Demosky, I can breathe again. I've seen the other side. His teammates told him he's acting like he just got out of prison. (laughs) I can breathe again. Take it easy. And he said, hey, I'm not ripping the Texans, but I've been to the other side. I'm just happy to be back in Green Bay. He said Green Bay is like a Fortune 500 company, and Houston is like a startup. Sound like he don't want to put no work in then. No, no. It just sounds like Houston is... A dumpster fire right now. Houston, he could have been there. He could have led something. No, he could have tried no, to build something. No, nah, it sounds no. like he wanted to take the easy way no, out. No, go back to Green Bay. I'm not buying it. No, Demond, Demond. Houston is on Shark Tank, and Green Bay is already established. It's a great business that you know that the plan works. Houston, they have. You heard John McClain. They have no idea. They got 50 new guys on the team this year. 50, five zero. The great ones get it out the mud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad you pulled that catchphrase out your back pocket. Yo. You ain't in Tennessee. You ain't yeah. trying to. You ain't trying to check. You ain't checking around her. Yo, man. Come. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, he just wants to go. It's like I'm gonna just go play back with Aaron Rodgers and have the best years of my career. I know why he wanted to go back there, but I'm just saying. Houston's if, if, a dumpster fire. If dog. you're great, be great anywhere. Houston is. That's fine. But Houston's a dumpster fire. It's a dumpster fire. John McClain just told you that he did. He said they got 50 new guys and. Just Deshaun Watson's not even doing anything, and the only thing that people are paying attention to is Deshaun Watson standing out there. You know who's you know who's really skating on this? That president that like that everybody was like Deshaun Watson just hates who's this guy that's just like usurping everybody in the organization. Haven't heard anything about him. I dang, I can't even remember his name. Oh anymore. no, you're talking about the GM. You're talking about Nick oh, Casario. Yeah. Nick or, Casario's came from over the at the Patriots. Yes, but who hired him? Was it Easterby? Was that Yeah, the, yeah, Easterby, yes, Jack. That guy, like Jack Easterby was in the news, like, oh man, he's running the Texans into the ground. Now look at him. <laughs> Nobody's even talking about it anymore. No, because people are talking about Deshaun Watson playing safety. Exactly. Or standing around. And Jack Easterby just gets to skate on how he It don't matter. Jack Easterby this. is in the organization. He ain't going nowhere. Exactly. He ain't going nowhere, no way. Somebody created this mess. Somebody started this fire. <laughs> and Deshaun and, and Deshaun Watson's trying to find a way to put it out, but he's really not. He's really adding fuel to the fire. That's all he's doing is now is just adding fuel to it. That's it. That's it. That's all I got for you for cover three. NFL news and notes. Coming up in just a matter of a few minutes, we'll have Eddie Pascal from Raiders.com. He'll tell us how the last couple days of training camp has gone in Henderson. Got a day of practice tomorrow. I believe defensive coordinator Gus Bradley will be talking to the media along with some selected players. Uh, When we come back, we'll have a little soundbite from Jonathan Abram and uh, get a couple text messages off the Sam and Ash text line, and then we'll get to Eddie. All that's coming up on Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Um, His honesty, you know, he's pretty, he's very detailed, very, um, you know, straightforward. I mean, he's a really great guy. I mean, he has the ability to touch people, you know. Every time you have a conversation with him, you know, it's just something something about him. People are drawn to him. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Right there you heard Jonathan Abram talking about defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. He's a guy that everyone gravitates to. Uh, that's that's one of those things that you want. I've talked about those kind of people, those kind of guys that have infectious personalities, guys that players want to go and, and compete for and work hard for. And, you know, there's always guys that you don't want to let down, regardless what your walk of life is. There's always someone, hey, I don't want to let that guy down. I don't want to let this person down that trusted me with this. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. That sounds like what he's trying to describe with Gus Bradley. And uh, we'll get to hear from Gus Bradley tomorrow. He's going to meet with the media following practice. They have the 730 to 9.30 a.m. practice, then uh, he'll meet with the media first, and then there'll be select players that'll meet as well. So, uh, again, I, I said at the beginning of the show, 
I, I feel like Jonathan Abram is a little bit more focused, ready to go. And, and focus might even be the wrong word. It just may be determined. Maybe determined is the right word. Either way you look at it, I think that Jonathan Abram realizes the importance of this season. I think he understands the importance of uh, what Gus Bradley and, and, and Ron Milas and, and uh, you know Richard Smith are all trying to, trying to instill on the defensive side of the ball. And that these guys got to go out there and execute. And it's important for that defense to go out there and be top-notch. So, uh, yeah, I'll be very interested and look forward to hearing from defensive coordinator Gus Bradley on tomorrow. Uh, The Raiders did send out an email earlier, and this is something that we were already aware of, but just kind of confirming that uh, running backs Darius Jackson and B.J. Emmons have both been signed uh, to take the place right now of uh, Jalen Richard and uh, Theo Riddick, who are both on the COVID-19 list. So uh, that's been made official by the Raiders. And again, that was something that was out there earlier today. But uh, once they sent out that email, it's it's official like a referee's whistle. Um, bold prediction right here on Twitter from Sunjay. And this has nothing to do with the Raiders, but he tweeted it at us anyway. My bold, bold prediction is that Matthew Stafford will flourish with McVay and the Rams and lead them to a Super Bowl. So maybe because I said that I don't believe in Matt Stafford, maybe that's the reason why he sent that tweet to us. But either way, I'm okay with that. You know, that's a, that's a bold prediction. I'm not a firm believer in Matt Stafford. I know a lot of people are. I'm just not. And it's just a lack of, a lack of wins. It's really bottom line. If you can judge one guy by a, a lack of wins, you got to judge other guys by a lack of wins. So that's just... My belief right there. Let's go out to the Raider Nation hotline and bring in our next guest, Eddie Pascal from Raiders.com. And Eddie, I appreciate you, my man. I appreciate you making some time. And I know it's very busy over there at the facility in Henderson. I know you got a lot of things going on. The pressure cooker over there, a lot of great, great action. But man, it's been two days of practice, two days of actual football activities after an offseason that seemed like it was so long, even though it really wasn't. But it it got here. We're here now. Uh, What has been the energy like? What has been the intensity of the players as they're out there in practice uh, early on so far? Well, man, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. It, we, our roles have kind of flipped, right? You, where I'm in the studio here, where <laughs> right. you usually are, right. and I'm talking to you out, uh, out at Lotus. But, uh, man, in terms of the energy and in terms of the excitement, I think that it's, you've got to look at it two ways. One, I think there's a natural kind of just human element, element to this, where the players are fired up, they're hanging out with their boys again. We're going through training camp, a quote-unquote you know, normal training camp, obviously not as normal as I think all of us would like it to be, but a normal training camp nonetheless. But then there's the other side of it, too, where we have to remember, and I keep reminding myself of this, too, two days into it, we can't have the expectation of these guys going 100 miles an hour yet, right? right? Yep. We, we kind of got to slowly build up. We got to build up, get these guys to where they got to be over time. And I'm the first to admit, like, I stepped out there, what's today, Thursday? I stepped there out there on Tuesday morning, and I was like, I just want to see go routes for two and a half hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's what I want to see. Right. And it's the, rea- the reality is we're not there yet. But in terms of the, the energy, the excitement, I mean, it's hard not to be out there every morning like we have been the past couple of days and, you know, not be excited and fired up for what 2021 is going to bring for this team and this organization. You know, and I know they're not going 100 miles an hour and they've got to amp themselves up and they've got to work themselves up to that. You don't want to get out there and get injured. But one guy that I've been hearing and been reading has been already turning heads is free agent defensive end Unique Ngakwe. Uh, I, I believe I even saw a tweet from you that just said he looks like a different dude, like a different a, a different level guy, like just a, a big, large mammoth man. What have you been seeing from Unique early on? Man, well, I think what you see from Unique is one. He's just like I said. He's just built different. Like he's a different kind of dude. I mean, I was looking at I was looking at the roster, and I was like, man, we list this guy at six two. Like he feels a lot bigger than six two. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was, you know, watching. And granted, I was kind of from a distance today, as we all are. But I'm looking, and I was like, there's no way this guy is six two. Like he is a tall, lanky guy 
very strong, high-energy guy. But I, I'm really excited to see him over the next couple of days as we keep kind of building up, as we keep acclimating and seeing once we're doing some real one-on-ones, once he's going against the offensive line, you know, multiple times in a day, what this guy's going to bring to the table. And with the big guys up front, you know this as well as I do, Q, you can't get a great gauge for who they are and what they're going to be until the pads come on. But I'll tell you this, since Unique has gotten here, I mean, this dude is checking every single box of what you want him to be. So now I think the next step is like, let's see what he's like when the pads come on. Right. And, and you know, continuing with that conversation, how much do you think he's going to be able to help the guys around him, not only on the defensive line, but like you mentioned, the offensive line, because they're they're going to want to slow him down. And he looks like he's pretty determined and very passionate about being a, a even better player than we've seen so far in his uh, NFL career. I mean, you know, what's the old cliche, right? It's iron sharpens iron. So if right. you have a guy like Yannick coming in and you're going against your offensive line, I saw a great rep with him and, and Jared Jones-Smith today. That was just a lot of fun to watch, to see two big dogs going at it and seeing like, hey, try to get me off this spot, see if you can do it. So I think over the next, what, three, four weeks, however long we're, we're in camp, seeing him go against the offensive line, seeing those battles between Yannick and Colton Miller, Yannick and Alex Leatherwood, seeing how they're going to kind of learn and, and, you know, kind of push each other is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But you look at defensively, I mean, we've talked a million times about what he's going to do for not only this defensive line, but this defense as a whole. Now, if you're an opposing offensive coordinator, like, it's pick your poison, right? Do you want Unique to be one-on-one? Do you want Max Crosby to be one-on-one? you got Klee in the middle now. Klee, who can be very versatile going inside and outside. I mean, on paper, this Raiders defensive line looks to be the most versatile defensive line we've seen in a couple of years here. It's going to be interesting. It really is. It's, it's, it's exciting time. We've had a lot of people call in and just let it, let it be known how, how excited they are. We've had a couple bold predictions today. 40-plus sacks for the, the Raiders, and that's that's huge. Had a couple uh, calls that, that said 20 sacks between you know Max Crosby and, and Unique, and so that's that's a bold prediction as well. But I, I love the fact that there's so much optimism, and that's what you know what comes with training camp. And uh, it's just it's it's like, okay, you hit the reset button. You know, you got some more guys in, you got some new coaches in, and, and it's time to go to work. Everyone's still on the on the same playing field. Uh, you mentioned Cleve Farrell. How about him? He uh, he made a statement today where he said. He feels like a man now. He's been in the league. This is his third year. But when he came into the league, he thought he was a man. Now he feels like he's a man in this league. How much have you seen him mature? Well, I, I think what, what's important to remember, too, is when Klee came in, gosh, two years ago now, and I'm starting to feel old. When <laughs> Klee came in two years ago, I mean, he had that sense. He had that air about him of just a really mature, a really mature dude, right? A guy who was about his business. So to hear Cleveland say today that say, hey, I've even matured, you know, my, my maturation has even improved even more. I'm more on top of my stuff kind of off the field just as a human being. I mean, I think it just speaks to who Cleland is as just a very, like, self-aware guy, right? Like, Cleland is one of those guys that I could see when his playing days are done, he's going to have, like, a Fortune 500 company or something like that. He's going to make himself a lot of money off the football field. But to hear him say that today and just to be honest and be transparent, I thought was really cool. And I, I think that – you look at this Raiders roster in general, I mean, really going back to the end of last year and hearing Corey Littleton talk about his year and Nick Morrow talk about his year and where they kind of fell short. And then you see a guy like Clee today be really open and honest. I mean, I think that's one thing. That's a, I think that's a good mark of this defense. It's a good characteristic of this defense and really this team as a whole, that you have a bunch of dudes who are committed to doing what they have to do, 
being really honest and being really really transparent with not only themselves but with their you know with their teammates as well. Talking right now with Eddie Pascal from Raiders.com. Matter of fact, I got the Raiders Training Camp podcast. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. I did want to ask you about a couple more players, and one guy we've been hearing a few sound bites from throughout the course of the show today is a guy who talked today, and that was Jonathan Abram going into his third year. And I made the statement, Eddie, and this is not not a slight to the guy at all. It just I made the statement, is I felt like, and he sounded like to me, that he's just way more focused and way ready to get into this year three. Uh, what have you taken? I know that you know, you're know you around the facility. I know the players are there, but it's a different setting. It's not like everyone's just you know elbows to elbows with each other. So what, have you, what has been the sense that you got from Jonathan Abram this year? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, my, my interactions with John have been pretty much the same ones that a lot of you guys have had. We've, we've done a few things with him, but, but mostly we're kind of living, like I said, in this COVID protocol world, and, and we're doing a lot of this stuff virtually. But, you know, I, I heard what John had to say today, and, and really it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with Clee now, right, where John, I think, comes into now year three, and I think you're just seeing a more mature, more grown-up Jonathan Abram. I'm not, I'm not implying that he wasn't grown up or right. wasn't mature when he got here. But I think it's just a natural progression of being a human being, right? Yep. That you are going to grow, you're going to figure things out. I mean, I think to, I think of young Eddie, right? I think of Eddie five or six <laughs> years ago. And right. you're like, oh, my God. How was I holding down a job? Like, people, people were paying me money to come to work every day? Right. Uh, but I, I think that's just part of the natural progression. And we talk about guys like Clee and, and John Abram and Hunter Renfro and that class. And it's crazy to think, but you look up now. And they're into their third year now. Like, right. they are not young dudes anymore. Like, they are guys that are going to be looked at on this team to contribute, to contribute in a big way, but to also bring some of the younger guys with them. And Trayvon Mullen is another guy that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Where Trayvon now, in year three, is he's the number one guy on the outside right now, in my opinion. You look at what he did last year, and you fast-forward to 2021, and he's going to have a really big year and an important role in this defense. So I think it goes, like I was saying, with John and really all those guys where they're just growing up, and that's a really good thing. I agree. I agree 100%. And, Eddie, just got a couple more questions for you. This year, Allegiant Stadium is expected to have 100% capacity as far as fans. I was able to check it out one time last year, and it's just an amazing building. But uh, what's your anticipation level for that first game, that Monday night football game against the Baltimore Ravens uh, and, and Allegiant Stadium packed to the gills with fans? Now, I, I think it's one of those deals, right, where you just kind of have, and it's another sports you can share, but you have that kind of date circled on the calendar, right, where mm-hmm. this is going to be fun. And, and the beauty of, of Monday Night Football, I think, is regardless of there's 50,000 people or 500 people in that building, that place is going to be rocking. There's going to be such an energy there. I think there's so much anticipation to get back to football. And you said at the top, I mean, this offseason has felt so long right. that now we're within striking distance of week one. I mean, I think that... Once we get to that game, once we get into that game week, that there's going to be just such an excitement in this city that I'm really excited to kind of feel and be a part of. And let's not forget, when you play Monday Night Football, everyone is talking about you mm-hmm. that entire week. You are the cherry on top of the NFL Sunday, or, you know, I guess Monday in this case. You get what <laughs> right. I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, it's, it's going to be so much fun, man, and I can't wait. And last year was such a unique year right. for all of us, such a challenging year for so many people. Uh, and we were lucky enough to be one of the, the select group of folks that were up in Allegiant for those home games. And while I'm eternally grateful that I, I had that really cool seat for that, first seat for that first season at Allegiant, I cannot wait 
to get back in there again and to really see what this building has to offer. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, and last year it was a, a year that I don't think any football fan will ever forget just because it was so strange and so weird and just almost eerie feeling sometimes watching that game with no fans in the stands. But uh, it should be a lot better, a lot more improved this year. And my final question for you, I wanted to ask you about uh, Hall of Fame. It, it's next week. Coach Flores, Charles Woodson, both going into the Hall. I mean, it's not a lot of times that you get multiple guys from the organization to make it into Canton at the same time. Uh, how pumped up is the building? How pumped up is the owner, Mark Davis, who I know has been lobbying for Coach Flores to get in for quite a while? How exciting times are this over there in Henderson? I mean, this building is, is excited, really, really excited for Coach Flores and to see what I, I think, starting with Coach. I mean, this is one of those things where I, I will pound the table for as long as I need to. That this should have happened before I was born, mm-hmm. right? This should have happened 25 years ago, uh, and I'm, you know, very appreciative and glad that the Hall of Fame ultimately did the right thing and put this man where he deserved, right. uh, where he deserves to be. Uh, and, and in terms of Charles, right? Like Charles is, you know, the moment he retired, I think we all started the countdown clock and we're doing our <laughs> right. math. I'm like, all right, so the moment he, that's the year he's eligible. Okay, great. Let's plan on going to Canton and building that out. But, I mean, two, two legitimate legends, and I know that, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, too, of throwing that term around a little loosely, but in this case, entirely appropriate. Two legitimate legends of this organization, two legitimate legends in the game of football, uh, and I couldn't be happier for both of them as players, coaches, and personally also. No doubt. No doubt. And Canton, Ohio is going to be amazing next week. Can't wait to get out there. Going to be doing my show on Friday from a little radio row that they have set up there and trying to do an extra show on Saturday as well as we all prepare for uh, Coach and Charles Woodson both to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, Eddie, before I let you go, man, I wanted to ask you about uh, the training camp podcast that you got going on, you and Jesse Merrick. Yes. What's going on with the podcast? How's things coming? And oh. uh, what should we expect? You, I love a shameless plug alert, man. It, it fuels me. <laughs> I'm the king of the shameless plug alert. So shameless plug alert. Yeah, me and me and uh, my pal Jesse Mary from News Three. If you're here in the Valley, you see him on on TV every night. Uh, we're doing a training camp podcast, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Jesse, admittedly, is more an X of the nose analyst kind of guy than I am. I'm just kind of the, uh, the the chucklehead who gets to you know tell fun stories and all that. But we're having a blast. Uh, our first episode dropped yesterday. Episode two will go tomorrow afternoon. Essentially, we're coming at you twice a week from here in HQ, all through training camp. And uh, make sure you download it wherever you get your podcast. Give us the rate, the comment, all that kind of good stuff, right? So that's uh, that's what's going on, man. And uh, like I said, episode two drops tomorrow afternoon. And, and they can find that, like you said, where, wherever you find your podcast, but it's also on Raiders.com as well? Yeah, Raider, Raiders.com too. So everywhere, uh, everywhere that Raiders content lives. So uh, like I said, Raiders.com, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all that stuff. You think of, if you can think <laughs> of an audio outlet, man, right. we are there in some capacity. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and we can't keep. We're really excited to keep on rolling. Well, I'll tell you this, and you can tell Jesse this when you guys are recording. And this should be what you, one of your lines should be when he starts dropping down the X's and O's. Be like, "Yeah, Jesse, it's it's X's and O's, but it's also it's about the Jimmys and the Joes." And I got the Jimmys and the Joes yeah. covered. <laughs> <laughs> I do, man. I do. I you know it, we're we're a nice little mix. Where Jesse definitely has that more you know analytical side to yeah. him, and I'm like. Oh, well, this guy's wearing cool shoes today, man. Let's keep 10 minutes on that. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, Eddie, thank you so much for your time, my oh, man. I know you're busy over there at HQ. I appreciate you giving us a few minutes, and uh, I'll be seeing you and talking to you soon. That's right, man. And I, I tell everyone, I, anything for DeMond. When DeMond calls, 99 times out of 100, I pick up the phone. There it is. There it is. Appreciate you, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, he picks up the phone when you call DeMond. It don't necessarily mean he says yes. <laughs> a lot of times, you he'll pick up the phone and say no. 
He might say no before you answer. No, Eddie does a good job over there uh, at Raiders HQ and Raiders.com. And definitely check out the training camp uh, podcast that he's got coming up. So uh, good stuff from him. 346 is the time when we come back. Vinny Bonsignor, my tag team partner in the huddle. He'll come in the studio and uh, kind of give us his thoughts on what he saw at training camp today, day two. Get his thoughts as we uh, prepare to pass the sticks on to Vinny as he holds it down in the huddle 4 to 6 p.m. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. My boy looking fly. I have to drop it after DeMond backs up and says that Trent Brown's his boy. And I think you said that, what, three times? Never, never said he was my boy. You definitely said my boy. You definitely said my boy. My boy. I give it to you. You Welcome got me there. to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. It's me. That is me. 3.50 is the time. About to pass the sticks on to my guy, my tag team partner, Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle. Going to come in here and let you know what he was able to see at practice today, his thoughts of what's going on the first couple days of training camp. And these are always exciting times. Every fan base is fired up once their team hits training camp again because, well, everyone has a chance. Everyone's in first place. You can also flip it around and say everyone's in last place. But it's all good. Either way, Vinny is in the studio right now. And Vinny, uh, definitely appreciate uh, you coming in and sharing a couple minutes before your show gets started. And uh, we've had some guys that we've been talking about. Cleve Furl's one. Jonathan Abrams, another one. But let's talk Cleve Furl. Yeah. Um, what's what's your thoughts on Cleve? Uh, he sounded pretty pretty focused when he was talking earlier today uh, at, his, at his media session. But what is your impression that you, you've gotten from Cleve so far? Well, I think he, um, looking around the room uh, and the different dynamics of, of that defensive line room, and you know, he brought this up as far as this is the deepest defensive line group by far right? Uh, that, that he's played with here with the Raiders. And, you know, we could get caught up in semantics starting, um, who's got the, the number one role, all that type of stuff. But in football, and especially now, and with Gus Bradley, I think that's just honestly symbolic and, and uh, semantics more than practical. Right. And, you know, so I think a lot of guys are going to get playing time. I think through that, I think you're going to see, I mean, the hope anyway, is that the snaps that get spread across more players than mm-hmm. they have in the past and more good players, by the way, right? you're going to see better efficiency from those snaps. There are far too many times over the last few years where, A, the Raiders were getting empty snaps from players that just weren't able to deliver, number mm-hmm. one. And number two, late in games and late in seasons, empty snaps because guys were just depleted. Right. Uh, no more gas left in the tank. So, you know, on one hand, obviously, Cleve Farrell wants to be a starter. He's a number four pick in the 2019 draft. Um, you know, you, you, you want him as a Raider fan to be one of the best players at his position, and here he is in year three, potentially fighting for some snaps or fighting to hold on to his quote-unquote starting job. But I think when it all comes out in the wash, the Raiders are going to be better off for this, and maybe even Cleve Farrell is better off for this because – Guys like himself, guys like uh, Yannick Ngakwe, guys like Max Crosby are going to be better players because they're going to be in better condition physically to get through games, get through the season. You know, I always say, and I know a lot of Raider fans don't like to hear it because you don't never want to be compared to the 49ers, but I felt like when the 49ers went on their run to the Super Bowl, they had a healthy rotation on the defensive line. Including Solomon Thomas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so they were able to rotate guys. So on that fourth quarter drive with a minute left in the game, you had a healthy dude come off the the bench or off the sideline that can get to the quarterback instead of being dog-tired and not able to get to the quarterback. I think what they've been able to do this offseason is collect 
depth along that defensive line. I think that's going to help. How much do you think you'll see, especially early on, maybe even in preseason, Cleve Furrow kicked inside and just been, you know, see how he works there as he's gained a little bit of weight too? I think that's definitely the plan. And John Gruden brought it up earlier this week that he feels like his best rush spot Mm -hmm. is from inside. I don't necessarily think he's a guy that could hold up on a down-to-down basis. Every, Every down, right. Inside, I don't think he's big enough for that. Um, but I think between that defensive end job and then kicking inside unknown passing situations, having Max Crosby or Yannick Gagwe or Malcolm Kuntz or whoever mm-hmm. it might be coming off, uh, you know, his his hip, I think it's going to be you know uh, a good kind of a situation. You saw some of that last year. He right. did get some snaps inside last year. The problem was to the outside of him, they weren't getting much production to the outside of him. So they need to improve. Uh, that aspect, and it looks like on paper anyway that they have. So, uh, you know, and he did talk about how some of that versatility, being asked to do a bunch of different things, was kind of foreign to him coming out of college, and it was a learning curve, and it was a struggle, and it was kind of a double his 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 versatility is a bit of a double edged sword. Um, yes, it's good that you can be versatile, but in a lot of ways, these first two years, he's been solid in areas, but not dominant in any particular area. And I think the Raiders want to get him to a point where he could be dominant in at least one of those areas, whether it's run, which is the most likely, uh, or at least maybe even as an interior pass rusher. Right. And he does set the edge really well. I mean, that's one thing he does really, really well. Uh, there's, there's another guy that I wanted to ask you about quickly. I know we only got a couple seconds, but Jonathan Abram to me. Sounds like a guy, looks like a guy that is coming in focused and locked in and knows that this is a big year, even if he won't say that this is a big year. Yeah, and, you know, I hate to get into, you know, appearances, hair, uh, demeanors, you know, know, because it's a fine line uh, with all that. And everybody has the right and freedom to express themselves. Do whatever. However, However, saying that, there's, you know, without getting into the weeds on it, he looks completely different. And he looks more determined, more, and I think it's like, look... There's 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 a huge difference, Q, between getting there and staying there mm-hmm. when it comes to professional sports. He got there, and I think he kind of ran with that. Now he wants to stay there, and I think he understands it takes a different demeanor, work ethic, focus to do that. Well, Vinny's going to hold it down in the huddle 4 to 6 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio. He's going to give you all the sounds, all the sights, everything he was able to take Some in. Some guy by the name of Mark Davis is coming on the show, Some too. guy by the name of Mark Davis is kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. That Mark Davis. He's kind of the owner of the team. Yeah. That's awesome. That's also <laughs> something to pay attention to. That is coming up in the huddle, coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We will see you tomorrow.